Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. You have Af Malhotra here again on Straight Talk. I'm the host and founder of Straight Talk. Today's show is a very special one for me because we're launching our first season, you know, alternative season for 2023, which we're calling Startup Mavericks. Now, this is really close to my heart because, as you know, I am a startup. I am a maverick of sorts, and I've invested at least a decade of my life in trying to figure out what problems around the world need to be solved with uh, advanced technology, with great technology solutions out there. And I've done that myself. And I wanted to make sure that we create a platform for incredible founders, incredible leaders out there who are building the next generation of companies using the coolest technologies, be it generative AI, be it IoT, you know, be it the world of the metaverse, be it, be it Web.3, um, uh, be it even, you know, um, technologies that are unreachable right now, you know, um, nanotechnology, quantum, and even aspects of robotics, which we know exist and are being deployed in their own form around the world. I just want to make sure I give coverage to all of these amazing founders as much as I can and totally free of charge with our not-for-profit agendas. That's what Startup Mavericks is all about. Hashtag Startup Mavericks is going to be the new season. I'd like to welcome my first guest, uh, who is uh, initiating this series for us. So this will be a memorable series because it's the start of this new season. And uh, this gentleman is not only an experienced operator and a founder and a tech entrepreneur, but also just a really expansive thinker. And every time I've spent time with uh, Anuj Gupta, who I will introduce to you in a moment, I've come away enriched. So I've come away energized. I've come away thinking about my life and the state of society and the state of business and the future of entrepreneurship differently. And that's his unique ability. And so without further ado, I want to introduce my guest today, Anuj Gupta, the founder of Green Van, which is the startup we're going to be talking a lot about today. Anuj, welcome to Straight Talk. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Af. Thank you so much for having me. And you're, I just heard from you, this is, I'm the first. Uh, and, you know, uh, I tell my wife that I couldn't be your first, so I decided to be your last. And <laughs> I'm so glad that I'm happy to be here to be your first. Always. And, you know, this is a linchpin mov- a moment because this episode and what we talk about today, as you know, this is an unscripted session. This is without any notes. We don't pre-plan this stuff. We go with the flow. And it's as authentic and as real as possible, which is why everything's allowed. It's uh, no holds barred. And uh, I want to start first by, you know, uh, not only just welcoming you, but asking you to take us through a whistle-stop journey of who Anuj is and your illustrious career. You're a young man, actually, like I am, and you have a fantastic background and there's some brilliant stories, you know, and brilliant life experiences, good and bad course, that make you who you are. And I think I do believe that life is not just about the linear path of exponential success. It's peppered with dark dark spots. You know, there's some low points and some hardships you have to go through to finally swim through treacle and uh, climb uphill and get to this point where you've uh, got a little bit of wisdom. And we hope, you know, entrepreneurs like us have a little bit of wisdom. So I'm going to try and take as much out of that amazing brain of yours and your life experience as possible. So firstly, Anuj Gupta, who is Anuj Gupta? What should we um, know about you? Tell us a bit about your background and, and who you are, Anuj. 
I think uh, inside of every 66-year-old, there is a 16-year-old wondering what happened. And uh, Af, uh, thanks for making that introduction and keeping the lunatic out of the introduction. But I think, uh, by the way, your, the, the, the title of your series is absolutely dope. I, I love the title. It's straight talk. It's uh, to the point. It's, uh, it's, it's pertinent for me to uh, sort of appreciate that. Um, who is Anuj Gupta? I mean, I'm just trying to be myself in a world that's trying to make me someone else. And uh, finding that gap and finding that reality and creating a disproportionate amount of value to the ecosystem is what I get driven by. I'm uh, driven by uh, making disproportionate contribution to community and society to, to, to know for myself that, yes, we are here to do something good. Mm-hmm. Walk us through how this journey started for you. I guess entrepreneurship for you started at a much younger age. Uh, give us some glimpses of, of that memory and that experience. Okay. So first of all, I was born in a family with my grandmother as a saint who's been meditating on top of a mountain for the last 20 years. So I'm blessed by her. And being born in India, I think I won the lottery of receiving unconditional blessings. So I'm a lot about the energy, frequency, and vibration, and much more into personalities and not so much internationalities. Okay. And you're from originally from India, I guess. Tell us about how your relationship with entrepreneurship started. So were you always an entrepreneur? Did you work for a corporation? Well, what was that trigger moment? We all have that moment where the switch happens. You know, I mean, India was blessed with the micro consumers and large numbers. And I think um, consumers are generally blessed with divine discontent. Yeah. I always found that there was um, somehow there was not enough penetrative thinking that was going on in the business models and generally in ideas around us still keeping life very uncomfortable. So my goal has always been as to how I can think of consumer first approach and have that vision and then micro execution to back that, to address the amount of pain I want to address, to create, you know, to address the slip between the cup and the lip to make the world a better place and pass a safer world to, to our next generation. Yeah, well, but what, dro- what drove you to that though? I get it, I get that. There's gotta be some experience in your life that's got you so, um, attached to to addressing this issue for the consumer? Is it where you lived? Is it your background? Is it your family? Because I want to get to the, look, I want to get to the core of your personal story because the whole point of straight talk is admittedly about the solution that you have. Before we get to the solution, fr- you know, frankly, you are the change agent. It is your ideation and your ability to execute that got you to this point. So I want to know who you really are. So let's like take that mask off one more time. No, absolutely. And I think I felt I was pretty extinguished. So I said, let's give a shot at becoming distinguished. And, you know, it was about a certain amount of intelligence that I felt that I could bring to the ecosystem and I could make a change and I could make a difference. And uh, I just thought that, uh, um, you know, there is enough benefit to be contributed in, in, in the system. And, and that's how I was driven by it. I came from a family of professionals and I felt that, uh, you know, using, a, learning like a scientist and applying like a businessman and, and making a huge amount of change and upping the, the, the creating the new normal, upping the basic average is, is where my interests lie. And, you know, uh, having uh, that, you know, a little more legroom in economy class of a plane or having a, a little more 
uh, you know, comfort for the average consumer is what I felt I was driven by. And I mean, I was truly driven by these gaps that I saw in systems and markets. Yeah. So did you, you know, your early journey, you talked about how you had built a company and it was in technology and um, that technology company gave you the juice, the mojo, the impetus and the experience, I guess, to go off and travel into other parts of the world. Just walk us through that journey, because I found that fascinating how you from India, you ended up in the United States. Tell us what happened and where were those big breakthroughs for you? Because, of course, you had one stage you were interviewed as uh you know, the up and coming young entrepreneur and star uh, back in India uh, in the Forbes, I think it was called the Forbes 30 under 30. So what happened there? What is that backstory? Tell us about that. That was the CNBC. But yeah, um, I mean, I think the lubrication of technology became the vector of my catalyzing, my catalytic approach to creating the next best solution. And I, I do believe that the best is on its way. So, right. so uh, we had I built a technology in the travel space because I traveled so much around the world after my finishing St. Stephen's College in, in Delhi. I went on a sabbatical around the world for a year and found a lot of problems in travel because of my journey. And I decided to build a travel technology company. And mm-hmm. I ended up building uh, and becoming a partner to eBookers, which is the largest online player in Europe. And because of uh, that, the, the gap we found where you you know picked up the phone, you spoke to a travel agent, they had a great price, but no seat or somebody had a great seat, but no good price. And I saw that huge gap and I said, you know, the inventory is becoming real. The systems are getting real. And we had, we became the first company in the world to be certified by Amadeus. And then we ended up winning the award for the best technology in the world by Microsoft for right. that consumer facing very fast moving because it was a business of managing ice. If you did, you could not, you could sell it before it melts kind of a thing. You had to sell it before it melts. And you, it was about putting the head to the bed in, in those days in that space. So yes, so the idea always was the velocity of technology, the ease that you can deliver to the consumer and becoming a, a very realistic and not an opportunistic business is what I was driven by because I was always anti uh, those kind of approaches and pro-consumer approach. So it was just about that, Af, and it was about find, finding a real gap, finding a real need and saying, let's address it and become the, the real contributor to that sector, industry, and, and uh, area of business. How do you win that opportunity then? Are you just created a business on the spot or was it like fate or you knew people? How did you get it? Because we always, entrepreneurs and people out there always want to know, how, do you, how did you get the break, right? Yeah, I, I think it is about, I mean, there is no golden parachute. There is no uh, magic bullet. The journey is from A to B to C. Once you know you felt the pain yourself, I was traveling and trying to find deals and I was trying to go, you know, when I was traveling from here to there, I was like, this is not real. This is crazy. And something needs to happen. So there was a technological shift that was becoming available in the adjacent possible with the big reservation system launching the APIs. And I was like, we can plug into that and make everything real time. This is going to be super easy for the consumers to work with. And when you know that, then you want to figure out a solution which is going to create your deep moat and your deep intellectual property. You double down on that. So the consumer ease is real, the economics are real, and your technology is going to be backed by deep moats. You basically now have this triangular equation of what we call the dominant player formula, and that ends up becoming the winning formula. So I think, yeah. So I Sorry, think no, that was, yeah. that was so that that formula of those three key virtues becomes, I think, what we call the dominant player formula, which becomes the winning formula. Did you do it yourself, or did you partner with someone? Were you did you have a co-founder? Did you do it solo? 
Yeah, no, I actually did it so well. I got a person who had spent a lot of time in the travel space and also had idea of technology, but we ended up building an amazing team early on with the people who were struggling and hustling like I was, who had similar ambition, but they became the key members of the team with me being the founder. But I think that was a lot of fun. And I had obviously then a co-founder eventually who was an amazing person as well. So we had a great time and we ended up, uh, you know, with, after a lot of uh, struggles and a lot of challenges, but I think the journey became very smooth and very interesting. So we ran a pretty decent sized operation with a couple of hundred people. I was all of 2021 at that time. Wow. So you sold the business? Did you exit yeah. it? Did you, yeah. yeah. Well, it was funny because the idea was not to, I, I think the idea in any business is to max it, right? The, the reason for entry could be exit, but I think for us, it was about maxing it. And and uh, we, uh, well, we were lucky to get an opportunity from the US from a business that found us aligned. And, and it was, uh, you know, it was worth examining that. And yes, we made an exit of that in the early 2000s. So that was the journey of getting exported to the US as a part of the exit. Wow. So what happened in the US then? Well, so when I went to the US, um, this person who had bought my company had bought many other businesses. He decided to take me on the board of the principal company. And he had come out of an exit to a major telco. He saw a huge opportunity in creating this micro retail network across the US because he thought that the old days of selling bread and milk for the shopkeepers are going and digital inventory is becoming available. Whether you wanted to sell a train ticket or you want to send long distance calling card or you wanted to transfer money, it was all going to be done from a computer terminal. So right. he wanted to put a ruggedized backbone of these technological sort of uh, touch points across the US. And we ended up starting a retail um, uh, business with two outlets. And then ultimately, uh, we expanded that by working very hard in understanding the consumer psychology and the value to the retailer and expanded that to uh, you know, a much larger business with almost about 13,000 outlets across the US. Right, and, and you were pretty young then, right? Yeah, I was, uh, well, age is a number, but I think with the experience that we had was interesting. I think I was uh, 26 at that time. Wow, so yeah. you, you left your, your, your family, you left them behind, you moved to, as in like your parents or whatever. Um, I don't know if you had a, you were married then, lucky, luckily enough to be married then. <laughs> Um, so you, you moved to the States and you set up this business. And so how long did you run it for? What, what was the sort of time? Well, wherever I may go, I cannot forget, I cannot forget where I come from. So yeah. I always had memories and India was living inside of me. Yeah. I ran the business for almost five years before we got an exit in that business because we had become pretty large. We had become second largest player in our space in the micro retail. And then we got a very healthy exit. Uh, this was just before the big meltdown. I made that exit and moved back to India and got married. And then the next chapter of my life began. Got it. Awesome. So you're right now in the UK, I believe, and you shuttle between uh, England and India and also the States because you have no. your, your uh, fingers in so many different pies. And um, look, we, we, when we talk and we've talked in the past, what I found intriguing about you is uh, the sort of level of uh, awareness that you have about the uh, global geopolitical landscape and also the local micro um, occurrences, you know, that impact uh, society and impact the local economies in, the, in the, the countries that you've lived in, in this case, the United Kingdom, which is where you are these days. So what intrigued me is how you have this ability to connect dots. And I find that entrepreneurs who have the ability to just create linkages from unrelated things, right? And then seek out opportunities, gaps, patterns, trends, 
through dialogue, through conversation. It's not like an isolated, you know, sitting in a room for, you know, 10 hours trying to figure it out yourself through discussion and debate. Uh, it's just inc- incredible. It's, and I, I think that's the early indicators of what I would describe as a maverick. A maverick has this unique X factor ability. Not every entrepreneur is a maverick, a maverick by the way. So the maverick entrepreneurs have this unique ability to do one of many things is this thing, to just seek out patterns. One of the patterns you spent time talking to me about, and I would call it a pattern and a problem, which I know bothers you, is uh, related to the startup you've been building over the last few years. Tell me about what is this problem? What is this thing that has bothered you that you're so emphatic and passionate about? I think, first of all, I think it's important to have the range of what we call from the penthouse to the basement. Second of all, I think it's it's like understanding the the from right from the printing of the US dollar to the needs of the Indian consumer. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I do believe being a part of the dialogue, having the know of what's going on does stitch a new code on the three-dimensional tapestry of our minds, you know? So I, I think now being in the UK, I got invited by the Department of Trade and I think London is a bad habit that uh, I don't want to lose. But um, when we moved here to London, um, to, to central London, and we, you know, we found a lot of problems in, in the industry that I'm currently addressing, which is home services. You know, we wanted a plumber. It was a challenge. We wanted a removals person. It was a problem. We wanted to find a locksmith or an electrician. Everything was just a nightmare. Calling friends, going to the internet, finding unreliable people, going, you know, people's calls going on voicemails, uh, needing to do double bookings. And I mean, there was just a plethora of challenges. There was no short shortage of problems. It was just a problems galore. The industry, I think, is in a deep mess. And I think what was important for us that if we are having so many problems, I wonder what the market must be going through. We started a dialogue on a primary basis with many, many people in many capacities, only to learn that it's even deeper than what I thought. You know, living in Kensington and Central London still was a pretty prime position in terms of finding people. But I think when I started to see the broader landscape, it was absolutely tumultuous. So it became absolutely essential for me to look at that gap from the inside out. And I said, this is a large market. It's a trillion dollar opportunity between the between Europe and the US. Extend, and you know, uh, it's a large gap and, and it's a very visible gap. And I feel that in these such in these large gaps, if you can build a meta solution, if you're driven by pa- the passion of solving the consumer pain and you can find a meta solution, and that meta solution contains inside of it intellectual property and deep moats on that intellectual property, then I think you have this unique value hold on how you want to manifest that into the ecosystem. So, so we found that consumers were in deep, deep trouble. The tradesmen were mar- completely marginalized. Uh, the government was suffering and the environment was suffering. And we thought that there's a solution available through an underlying secret magic bullet, which could solve all of these problems. And I started to embark on that mission of working on that. And today I can tell you with confidence that we probably built the world's most applied conversational technology. And, you know, uh, it, it does it does things that were not possible. And it does things that are going to completely allow a huge change to happen on the back of this uh, underlying uh, technology, which has got its own very safe anchorage and deep rooting and, and our intellectual property. Mm. So in other words, you figured out that it was a nightmare in, in British speak, English speak, nightmare to get plumbers and builders and reliable ones at that. And you had to rely on your personal network, if you had one, that is. And then even when you went through the journey, yes, it was 
super expensive. Maybe the experience was suboptimal and he thought, right, this can't be the way forward, right? There's got to be a better way of doing it. And of course I can relate to something I'm sure you were thinking as a technologist, you're always thinking about what, well, how could this be done uh, you know, more smartly, you know, better, yeah. faster, more yeah. intelligently, making yeah. people, um, you know, driving convenience, making people money, of course, but actually taking away a lot of the pain and the uh, lethargy or the, you know, wastage that may exist in yeah. a certain process. And, you know, we all know that we've had builders before. I've done my home. People yeah. have, have story after story. That's one thing, honestly, on home services where everyone has a story. And often some of those stories, actually majority are not good stories, you know, a bad builder, a bad plumber. Mm. There are some great stories, but you don't obviously hear, no. hear it. I think now, it's due to the industry app because 91% of the market is fragmented with moms and pops with less than yeah. three employees. And I, the industry has not been consolidated for some real reasons. And I feel that the reason was that one had to disrupt the industry from call to book to chat to book. Only if one did that and took the experience of this mom and pop owner who was picking up the phone and talking to customers all day, you brought it to this conversational commerce, you were able to disintermediate that unwanted person in the middle and give the power to the tradesperson who actually executes the job uh, uh, on the scene. Yeah. So, so that the availability of artificial intelligence allowed us to build the protocol and the algorithms needed to dis disintermediate this industry through, through digital dialoguing and conversational engine to be right. able to become the layer between a consult because it is a consultative closure. You have customers giving you requirements and you have to understand what they're looking for. And then you have to explain that to the tradesperson who work for us. So we are not a marketplace. These people work for us. So we're able to deliver the quality of the experience that we endeavor to. And, and I think the economics go through a radical shift when you, you, know, you know, digitize and you, when you electronicize the consultative discussion between the consumer and us through a software versus a human who's answering the call. Not only do you improve the velocity, but also improve the accuracy in the entire process. Yeah, yeah. And that's super important because, you know, a little bit like the IT industry, old school sort of offshoring days, the conversation between the buyer and the seller and then the projects that then get rolled out, often there was high failure rates in those projects, 80% yeah. yeah. failure. And a lot of it, they came to the conclusion, of course, it continues this problem, hopefully it'll be solved one day, is, is the communication challenges, yeah. whether it's cross-cultural communication, cross-functional communication. And that that is one of the reasons why you know expectations aren't met you know whether in your case it's someone coming and fixing your plumber and putting in a new boiler and then you thinking oh my god i didn't you know i don't have four thousand pounds to get the boiler replaced no. and so on and so forth and it goes on and on tell me um one more backdrop before we get into what you've actually built because it's fascinating if you look at the current state of play for us from an economic standpoint it's a pretty uh sort of tough situation right you know you yeah. say you have to make friends with uncertainty and this is one of those times where for this community of people or this sort of group of people who are the providers, you know, the plumbers, the, the workmen and so on and so forth, the cost of living crisis, the high levels of inflation, the supply chains, uh, you know, totally disrupted where building work is costing two, three, four X no. of what it used to cost no. even two or three years ago. And you're, I'm sure, no. aware of that. Tell us, tell us a little bit about how, what you, uh, see as the problem and maybe aspects of the solution has positive effects, even in this environment, if at all. So given the backdrop, it's tough. If someone is using your solution at scale on the delivery side, so I'm a plumber, I'm a workman of some sort. Yeah. Why is this good for me? What's the, especially in this environment? So you're saying what is good for the tradesperson? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So just imagine 
uh, think of the life of Charlie or Smith who worked for John and John is the owner of a mom and pop shop. So Charlie and Smith are completely marginalized. They basically work for this mom and pop owner, John, who has his equity locally in his area. And now he's passing the work onto these people. They are not given any guaranteed work. They're not given any promise on the income flow. They are completely subservient. They're shouted upon by the owner and the customer. They don't have any family time and make very minimal sort of income to, to survive. Right. We, we, we jumped them out of that environment by making them join Green Man. Because remember, we've gotten rid of John, who was the mom and pop owner, because we've taken that entire function, that entire experience of John to, into the software. So he's gone, who's to keep 40% of the transaction value, right? Wow. As very, much as that? As much as that? Yeah, exactly. As much as that. And, you know, very rarely do you see um, technology disruption having high degrees of alignment with economic trust. Where do you see, I mean, Uber and Amazon haven't delivered a 40% cost reduction in their business through technology. But I think bringing in AI and conversational commerce and reducing the cost in this industry by 40% allows us to bless the ecosystem by, by sharing, by putting the money back in the pockets of the consumer by reducing price, by doubling the income of the tradesman because we just have so much saving out of this cost reduction technology. So what happens to the tradesperson? They double their income. They get... 20% or 30% more time with their family. They become bankable because the money moves into the bank account versus being given in cash. They focus on their core. They do their best. They outsource the rest. And, you know, they have a much more robust sort of uh, life and they become uh, the heroes of their own life. They're, they're their own bosses. They're not uh, subservient and rendered to the pinata every day, either by their boss or their, the consumer. So they go through a tectonic shift and a massive jump in their quality of life. The consumer, on the other hand, is not now going helter-skelter and finding a reliable and an affordable tradesman because what's the choice that the consumer has today? Either he goes really expensive or mm -hmm. he goes unreliable. Okay, He has no midway experience of basically getting an affordable or reliable solution because today the, the mom and pop shops have no choice but to turn opportunistic and they become right. rip-off agents because they're like, oh, so I remember, I mean, nothing makes me more happy than this 84-year-old elderly lady sitting in the southwest of England being thankful to us and telling us the Green Van was one of, is the only home services company that she has seen in the last 20 years, which she felt was not opportunistic or not a ripoff business because she wanted to move her a piano, which was left by a beloved husband. And people were giving her unbelievable quotations. They were charging her 350 pounds, 380 pounds, but it was a four-mile job. And we just did the job for like 78 pounds. And she was like, because... We have the ability to digitally dialogue between the seeker and the provider, close the transaction, price the transaction. We're not interested in creating, you know, sort of divisive techniques here to create this uh, sharp practices of pricing. But I think we are, our system is very fair and square. And, you know, because we have so much demand as a national brand and being multi-service allows us to capture a lot more demand from the same consumer and many different people's uh, demands because of being a central multi-service brand. So we were able to take a job and fit it inside her already planned scheduled and routes that we had for that day. So we were able to deliver a much better sort of uh, price and experience to her. So nothing makes me more happy than that, Af. Mm. Do you, um, like Uber, for example, I guess because you've got a supply and demand thing going on, it's two-sided. Do you also have mechanisms where there's feedback or reverse feedback for both sides? Because of course, it's quite a sensitive thing, right? When you have someone walking into your house so, you know, often people aren't happy paying the money and then, you know, there's always complaints about, oh, you did a terrible job. The builder yeah. might say, or the, the plumber might say, actually, I did the best I could with what I had available. And so how do you ensure quality on both ends? And so no one feels like, you know, it's, um, 
uh, it, it, it's unfair in any way, shape or form? I mean, I feel, so how do we ensure qualities? Are you saying how do we ensure feedback between both sides? Yeah, because of course, like I'm, I come to your house, right? And you have yeah. a great experience. Now you're taking away the relate, not taking it away, but you know, the relationship element is important. And I, I might want you back again. I might say, I really want to work with Anuj because he's great. He's the best plumber I know. And I'll use the same channel, but I'll have you back again. But how do I ensure yeah. that Anuj is rated highly and he's like the best plumber in town? Yeah. So first of all, we are not a marketplace. So the people who work for us are employed by a company. We want to give them, we want to give them a guaranteed income, a guaranteed annual income, and we want to benchmark their performance through some very unique sort of rating systems. Okay. Now, because we don't want to create a disproportionately disadvantageous position for somebody else. But I think what we're doing is we're upping the bar for everybody through great training and great performance. Right. So we know consumers are blessed with divine discontent. We know that they are always interested in a great next deal. So the beauty is the technology allows us to control the entire experience of the entire transaction from the word go until the day of the job. When the, when the person actually goes and does the job physically, it's all managed by the system. So think about it like this, that when you are flying, on, on, you're taking on a trip and you're going on a flight somewhere, the booking is done by the agent, the, the, the journey to the airport is, you know, all your updates are done by the agent, the journey to the airport is managed by the agent, the check-in almost is controlled, let's say, by the agent, all that the airline is doing is making you fly. So we are saying that right from the booking to understanding a requirement to taking the money from you to giving you alerts to doing everything, right. the job part is controlled by the tradesperson who's also very well organized by us and you know trained by us. And of course, coming with a deep experience, amount of experience himself. But I think the experience that the consumers have witnessed has allowed us to get almost a 99% rating of a 10 on 10 uh, in the thousands of jobs we've done. Because they were like, what were we doing earlier? We were calling many people. We were getting bizarre you know, quotes from different people at different levels. We were double booking. Somebody was taking advance from us. Somebody was not showing up. Somebody was telling us I can only come on a Thursday at 3 p.m. Somebody was, you know, um, taking away our deposit running away. Somebody was breaking our things and never being reachable again to a point where we make the booking on a 24-7 basis through a chat. Everything is in a single transcript. Money is taken on, on record, on file. And you are alerted many times before the job is done. And there's a single version of the truth. The tradesperson comes, has no interest in doing anything other than what's the scope, and then the job is done, and, and it's a much. So I think it's like uh, the experience is a, is, a, is a diametric difference. It's from tragic to magic, I would call it. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your technology platform. So what is it and what's so unique about it? You see, we found in the home services space and the transaction equation that the way bookings were done was by actually finding numbers from the internet and calling up somebody to make a booking. That somebody who was picking up the phone was actually the owner of the mom and pop shop with 30 years of experience. And that somebody, uh, let's call him John, was actually keeping 40% of the transaction revenue. We were like, look, if we can get rid of John, which was possible through building a deep ported technology using AI, we had this massive advantage that we can pass on to everybody. It's like an airline who now has water instead of fuel to fly the plane. So suddenly they don't have the 40% cost anymore. So this massive cost reduction technology allowed us. And this technology is not easy because now you have, imagine in, in case of removals or in case of plumbing, you have 20,000 questions that can be asked in 50 different ways. So you have a million questions with permutations, combinations out there in terms of the way customers ask questions, tell their problems from symptom to diagnosis, through various cuts and contours, our technology traverses the journey with the customer in this funnel and through a consultative closure, it basically goes and makes a booking. So we actually, so it's conversational commerce. 
it's uh, digital dialoguing, it's replacing that person in the middle and creating this new economic reality by reducing costs to unbelievable extents and passing that benefit back. And I think what's unique is having the 1 million permutation combination of questions inside our technology and creating this generative answer to the bespoke query that the, uh, the customer has right. producing yeah. and producing the pricing, taking the money, making the booking, scheduling for the tradesperson, and then executing the task and then being available after market for any questions that they may have. So it's not just the one part of the top of the funnel or the bottom of the funnel. It's the whole equation from start to the end. And of course, we have liposuction the equation by removing the fat mm -hmm. from every part of the journey. But more importantly, what I want to share with you, it's not going to be easy to disrupt somebody like us because one part of our equation is the physical doing of the job right? Where Charlie physically comes to your home to fix a plumbing issue. Right. So it's not like another company can just come and do some digital technology and replace us because we are so deeply entrenched and so much feet on the street where yeah. the entire process at the beginning is digitally automated, but the last piece is done by the person. So it's not that it's not going to be that easy. Somebody just comes with a better algo, better protocol to change us overnight. So we are deeply anchored in the system from a, a robustness uh, point of view. So think of us like a scalable model in an old school industry creating this dearest right. return for the investor. Right. What was the logic, something playing on my mind, what was the logic around employing these uh, tradesmen? Because if I think about the psychology, a lot of the tradesmen, of course, I'm generalizing, some do want to be employed with whoever it may be. It could be the best company in the world. It could be Greenbelt. Yeah. And some don't want to be employed. Yeah. One of the cool things about the Uber model, which works well, is this ability to have, well, this ability for flexibility, where when you're on, you can do all the jobs you want because they keep coming in because they come in on demand. And when you don't want to work, you turn your device off. Why wouldn't you consider something like that rather than taking on, uh, I mean, I guess you could have a hybrid approach, but what's your thinking around it? Is it just because one model works better, the other one doesn't work or what was the logic? I think quality, controlling quality and delivering service to the right levels was one of the main reasons. Also, I think importantly, when you have a lot of demand, I mean, I can give you one metric, for example, just on Google, 40,000 daily searches are done in finding tradespeople every day in this country. So you can imagine that when there is such a large amount of demand, you know, you don't have any shortage of work to be done. You can just bring people and employ them because you know that there is guaranteed work to be done. And right. then they get the stability. Right. They are able to now get the promise they're looking for. The reason why they're not wanting to commit today is because they're not having any certainty in the work that they're going to get. Because otherwise, you want to take them out of the idiosyncratic challenges to a stable environment. They all love to migrate to that. And we haven't felt even for one bit that, you know, somebody's telling us that we're not interested in committing to you because they get the safety and the certainty and the security with their families now being able to get one extra vacation a year, the wives able to get one extra meal out a week and the daughter able to get an iPad. I mean, the safety and the security of that feeling is, 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 is very calming and soothing for them and for us. And then, you know, the environment turns into a very gentlemanly sort of co coexistence uh, of, of the two parties together. Right. What is your vision then, uh, Andrej? Where where are you going to take this? What's your dream about this? What's 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 the idea? I think the idea is to have an audacious goal. I think change the trajectory of humanity and the ecosystem that we belong, uh, the way we're working in. I mean, if you think about it, consumers will turn into order makers from order takers. We'll create access to immediacy because you know it's available 24/7. Book in an instant. You can you can get your job done. You are we are going to create this massively soft connective tissue which has got no friction. You're not waiting on an IVR for 30 minutes. You're not 
you know, you're not completely taken out of the system because of that. So our vision is the future of services where we will have on-call, on-choice. The way if you look at Amazon today, it's become a shopping destination from a need-based place to almost a want-based place. So you're going to come back home and you'll be like, look, it's, I mean, the price of a Japanese chef tonight is 22 pounds an hour or a bassoon or a babysitter or a dance teacher. So I see the future of services going to where Amazon is today, like the way Amazon Prime is. So you can think about what's going to happen there. So it's going to be a tectonic shift in the way it's looked at today with frictionless experience in a matter of minutes, you're able to book uh, uh, your great next masseuse that you were looking for. So, so you know, so you've got to think about service like if Amazon and Uber were to have a baby, it would be called Green Man. Because <laughs> the multiplicity of services will come out of Amazon and, right. the, and the specificity of delivery will come out of uh, the Uber kind of experience. Got it. Wonderful. Uh, what has been the hardest thing about doing this? Uh, of course, you've been an experienced entrepreneur. What's been the toughest thing that uh, uh, either has gone away or you still contend with? I mean, there is no shortage of challenges. I have. I mean, the point is, how do you come and disrupt a hundred-year-old industry? Anybody could have done it. Why has it not happened? I mean, I'm not, you know, some, you know, great guy that happened to the planet. I think we looked at this and we were like, there is a major reason why it's not happened. And the reason was that the transaction equation, where every part of the ecosystem that was involved in the transaction could not be displaced until AI became a reality. Right. And you only with the with AI coming in, you could actually move a major part of the human involvement to technology, changing the economics. And with, with that reality, creating this new alignment. And you know, uh, when there is great, great alignment, there is great assignment. Mm -hmm. So we feel that that allowed us to sort of, uh, history may not repeat, but definitely rhymes. And I think the time has come where technology is being moving, AI is moving from the adjacent possible into the mainstream. And one of the best things that is going to come out of that is uh, the way internet created Amazon and the way uh, mobility and micro GPS created Uber. I think AI is going to create the new next generation of services companies with, I think, Green Van being at the forefront for home services. Yeah. the, brilliant, the most, Thank you for that. The most brilliant thing about AI these days is um, at every level possible, thanks to some of the new AI um, innovations, GPT chat is one of the recent ones that has caught uh, light and everyone seems to be jumping onto to trying to figure out how AI can be good for them. Of course, that's just one type of AI. There's so many other ways in which we can benefit from this powerful technology. I love the fact, actually, one of my takeaways from what you just said was creating this change or form of disruption in the status quo, a hundred year old way of doing things. Yeah. I think what I took away from that, which I'm sure many of our listeners should take away is that until and unless you can bring something to life in whatever form, it doesn't have to be the perfect form in whatever form, and you can start allowing them to experience it, it goes back to the old, yeah. very simple uh, aspects of human nature, which is yeah. when you immerse us in something, there is a higher chance that we will adopt it. Yeah. And so when it's conceptual, which is great, some of us can pick it up, you know, with our big ideas and maverick thinking. But I think at, at large, one has to bring to life something, allow people to play with it and touch it yeah. and feel it. And only then you'll see what the reaction and the response is. And that's how you tweak. I mean, startup, uh, you know, development and the startup mentality is about iterations, right? And yeah. expectations. Yeah. And I guess you've been doing that. Tell us a little bit before we close off. I mean, it's fascinating what you're doing and thank you for sharing it with us. There's so much more that we we can discuss today. We have a finite amount of time. Where is the business today? And um, you know, how big are you? How scaled are you? And what is your ask 
of those watching this show today. We have investors, we have corporate executives, we have entrepreneurs like you, we have academics, philanthropists, economists, and the list goes on. Uh, so two things. One is, where are you now? And secondly, what is your ask uh, from Straight Talk and the Straight Talk community? I think, first of all, as the carpenters of the internet landscape, we want to be on the wallpaper of every consumer's mind. I think that's really important for us. Um, we want to deliver a very reliable and a very stable offering to the consumer and you know, making them feel that they are in very safe pair of hands. More important than anything else for me, I think, is that the market endorsement is there, there for us. Where we are today, we've done thousands of transactions in our initial project phase. We've got a post-product market fit product um, where we've got a tremendous uh, amount of great feedback from people telling us that from a very difficult situation, and as I, as I would say, from tragic to magic, that they feel the experience with us. I think because there has been such a large shift in the economics due to severe amounts of automation in the process, yeah. we, are, uh, we are hoping to be one of the few businesses globally to produce a very large EBIT on the back of a very small amount of funding. Because the market prices haven't changed, but the cost base has been completely shifted. So you need very little money to get to where you want to. So mm -hmm. I would say if, if Uber needed 25 million to produce a 20 million EBIT and Amazon needed 30 million or 50 million to produce a 20 million EBIT, I think Greenvan is going to need a sixth of that to produce the same amount of EBIT. So what we're saying is a true business should be the one that takes little money and produces the highest return on equity for the members of the different stakeholders in the system, whether it's the investors, it's, the, it's, it's our partners, and so on and so forth. Because also, don't let's not forget, I have one important point that you had asked. This is, this is going to be phenomenal for not only the environment because of green vans and light touch booking processes and not heavy offices, but also great for government. Because as a national brand, when we market our business, you know, in different parts of the country, let's say from Liverpool to Birmingham to Leeds to wherever we are going to be, um, we are going to be able to regionalize and fulfill demand locally. Because as a multi-service brand, green van, from plumbing to electricians and locksmiths to movers to whatever, we will get the demand and we will train the people locally and fulfill it locally. So there's not going to be a huge amount of wastage of resources and cross, you know, sort of uh, traveling and wasting time. Because remember, the currency in trade here is time and space, and you want to maximize the return by optimizing yield and utilization. So, so that is going to become very interesting. So our ask is, we, are, we want partners who are aligned with our values. And I'm working hard in upping my concept of purpose and my sense of values. And that's a book on my nightstands. Mm -hmm. And you know, um, uh, I think we want to have strategic and technological autonomy to, to reduce human vulnerability. You know, that's an important goal for us. And I think uh, my, my, my larger point is that, uh, uh, you know, we, we believe that the best is on its way. And uh, we hope that the right kind of people can come and become a, become, uh, you know, a partner of our business and you know I've, I've got a meeting scheduled with jeff bezos that should be really a lot of fun and you know, it was wow. lucky it was lucky to have met him and they, they you know i think they look at us as an amazon of services so so that should be a lot of fun for us and I, I again the idea is not being very cool but being very realistic to deliver this enormously good experience of actually changing the way services are consumed today and saying we this is not a problem anymore this is a solved problem we can rely on green van to do this for us you know i don't have to unnecessarily befriend a plumber or an electrician and have that number in my phone book the way we used to have a minicab driver's phone number seven years ago today uber has taken that number out of our phone book so i think relationships are going to turn more realistic than just opportunistic is what i feel with a reliable um and, and a sustainable solution like ours and and hopefully you'll see our dinky cars our green vans around uh 
dots of London telling you that there is somebody out there who does care about you if somebody ended up falling in the bathroom or something like that. Is there, um, in terms of locations, can everyone and anyone access Green Band right now across the UK? Where are you present? So, you know, uh, it's, 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 uh, in our start of our early days, obviously we are A by being, and we are experimenting with different services in different pockets of, the re- of different parts of uh, England and, and the UK at large. So we're doing things in Glasgow and we're doing things in Birmingham, different services in different geographical sort of uh, uh, parts of the country. But I, I think over time, as we scale and as we put in more, 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 more resources into the business, you will see us as an omnipresent business on all services out there. But we hope to fill more gaps and we hope to address more needs and, and become a, a reliable protocol that you want to see. Fantastic. Final couple of questions. The first one is, uh, imagine you're in a situation now where your younger self walks into that room and who, whatever younger self that is, I mean, you're young anyway, but a younger you. <laughs> and uh, with all of these life experiences that you know, you've been through and good things that you've done and breakthroughs that you've achieved and all of the tough stuff, uh, what, are the, what are the one or two things that you would say to your younger self right now, uh, you know, on the spot? What, what would you tell your younger self? Um, what would I tell my younger self? I think what I would say that um, I think what waits for us is an amazing tomorrow. Um, the intelligence of today is going to become the common sense of tomorrow. Luxuries of today are going to become basics of tomorrow. And the hustles of today are going to become heroes of tomorrow. So my younger self is telling me that um, single tunnel focus, consumer first, and let's figure out our unique value contribution and create the disproportionate advantage that we can have to making the world a better place. Because the idea is to not create a dent in the universe with our weight, but with our clout. So you know, this is how I think about things after. Okay, nice, lovely. The energy that you have, the 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 positivity that you exude, and just the focus, I think it's very clear, it comes across on this um, session. And I'm sure everyone who's watching realizes that you're a man with a purpose and very driven to solving this problem that, of course, you care a lot about. And I think entrepreneurs will... Um, will love to watch this. And so will aspiring entrepreneurs who are wanting to come into this space. And I'm hoping some corporate executives too, who can then knock on your door and either give you some money and or give you some business. Of course, venture capital investors who listen to this show should connect with you. And that's my final point. So where do people get hold of a green van, Anuj Gupta, are their websites or is, are you on LinkedIn? Tell us a little bit about how we, we get hold of you. App, it's really easy. We are uh, very present uh, out there. I mean, it's uh, greenvan.eu. So contact us at greenvan.eu. Contact at greenvan.eu on the site. There are numbers. There is, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I, I'm present everywhere. So the website is the best place to go. And, um, you know, you'll be able to link into us, into our system. And then it's, it's very easy uh, through that. And of course, LinkedIn is very much there to, to, to find us and to reach us. But this has been uh, fascinating that... Uh, you know, um, you're making an effort for us to get a reach out there. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure. So 30 seconds, how has the experience been for you today? Just a few words, you're very articulate and you've got um, fantastic, you know, snapshot statements in terms of both. What's the What's been the experience for you today on Straight Talk? Just sum, sum it up in a few words. I think very rarely do people ask me questions like you have, where I felt today that the journey is actually inward. And I think you are a, you're a person who I've looked at as who's, who, who believes and who lives with this theory of let wisdom viral. Very rarely do I see that. And I think you also make us realize that 
um, while our expectation of our future is linear, but our potential is exponential. So I think you made me drawn to some of those so it's those points about you know how I think about life and how I think about things, and then uh, I, I think uh, entrepreneurs are born hungry and naked, but I think things only get more interesting. So you have definitely delved into regions and areas of my thinking that I'd not thought about, and I'm glad you did not give me a sheet of paper with questions that you wanted to ask. It is a very free, open conversation that we've had, yeah. and, and and I hope that of course uh, whoever is uh, going to watch this. And if they want to use Green Van, they want to participate in Green Van, if they have any feedback onto us, we are here to learn. We are not, we, we are a result of a ton of mistakes. I can't even remember my top three, but uh, the idea is to only, the path to perfection is under construction. And then we are here to only better our formula and making it from smoking hot to positively fiery with friends like you in the, uh, around us. Wonderful. Anuj Gupta, what a pleasure to have you on the um, Straight Talk show today under the um, auspices of Startup Mavericks, our first season stroke series, and uh, you are you are our first guest, so you are the linchpin, and I'm expecting we're going to have a busy roster over the course of 2023 and look back at all of our excellent episodes and talks, and this will definitely be a standout one. We wish you all the best in your endeavor with your startup green van. I will do everything I can to support you and promote the great work that you're doing. Don't forget us, keep in touch with us, maybe come back when you know you have uh, achieved one part of your mission or your potential and we look forward to seeing you then i thank you everyone for joining the show today I do go on to our youtube channel click subscribe on the bottom right somewhere there and i look forward to catching up with you all very very soon i sign off now i'm afmal hotra straight talk all the best thanks af thanks a lot Bye. Thank you,